I receive a photo and it's John that I hung out with in my 20s. Oh, my no God. No way. No way. I fell off my chair at work. Wow. What are the chances? Hello, I'm Jen Fricker. And hello, I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And this is Lived It, the podcast where we speak to everyday Australians and Kiwis who didn't just watch the show or movie everyone's banging on about, they lived it. And in this episode, we're chatting to someone who grew up thinking he was an only child, but years later went on to find out his biological father was hiding a few secrets. And later on in the show, we're chatting about a brand new documentary called Our Father, which uncovers the misdeeds of a fertility doctor called Donald Klein. The documentary is a gripping film where a woman's at-home DNA test reveals multiple half-siblings. It's a truly unbelievable story. I don't want to give too much away, so let's just get into the trailer. When I opened up Ancestry, I had over 3,000 hits. All of these random names were popping up, and it said close family. We all matched the name Klein. Dr. Klein was the best infertility doctor in Indianapolis. Right then, I knew Klein was our biological father. So that's when strange things started happening. I think it was some sick experiment for him. Most of us have blonde hair, blue eyes. It was almost like this perfect Aryan clan. It's disgusting. How the fuck did no one know? For decades. I had to tell my husband, we're just now finding out that Julie is not yours. I reached out to every news outlet, big and small. This was a person of a position of power. He's known in our community as a philanthropist. He's an elder of the church. And the attorney general's office. I don't deny that there was a sexual violation, but legally, there's just no crime that touches this particular act. Jen, as you know, I am a card-carrying registered only child in this world. (laughs) And watching this documentary... It warped my mind a little bit to just think what it would be like to find out that I had even one sibling out there in the world, let alone freaking dozens and dozens of them. I found this to be so crazy to me. Yeah, that's the thing about family secrets, isn't it? It's like the longer they stay buried, the bigger the impact they have when they finally come to light. And today our guest on the podcast has a truly unbelievable story Zach, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Zach, you have a very interesting family secret. Can you tell us a little bit about it? How did it all begin? I was raised as a single child. Mum raised me and my dad wasn't around. From what I remember growing up, dad only came to visit me on odd occasions, in particular when it was my birthday. Growing up, I always wanted to know who my dad was and why he wasn't around, but I kept those questions to myself. And when I reached the age of 16, I did discover that dad did get married. And one day, mum sat me down, I think after I'd finished high school, and she said, just to let you know, you do have two half-sisters. Wow. I took it on board, but I didn't really know what to do with that information. It sounds like it's so hard to process because you've got like your identity as like only child. I can't. I'm I'm the same only child, single mum. I don't think I could even process that. What did you start doing? What did you start thinking? Did you change? Well, being an only child, 
you learn to be independent. You fend for yourself. Mm. There's no one else you can rely on. And I had a close friend of mine. He knew that I had two younger siblings and he started working at a clothing shop. So one day, two little girls popped into my friend's shop. When they were doing their shopping, they realized they didn't have enough money to buy their items of clothing that they wanted. So they had to do a lay-by purchase. My friend took their details down and noticed that they had the same surname as oh I do. Oh, my God. Wow. And he put two and two together and said, hey, do you guys know you've got an older brother? Their response was, yeah, we know we've got an older brother. He would be X amount older than us. We're not quite sure where he is, who he is, how to contact him. And my best friend turned around and said, your older brother is my best friend. Oh, my God. Do you want his phone number? And my sisters at the time would have been 13 years old. They were nervous. They basically got out of the retail shop quick, smart, not knowing what to do. It was great news. I actually enjoyed knowing that they're somewhere out there. Yeah. A week later, my sisters looked for my best friend and said, hey, that phone number for Zach, can we have it? Wow. wow. That night, my sisters called me and said that they wanted to meet up. Wow. Wow. How did you feel getting that phone call? I was excited, actually. Yeah. So we made arrangements to catch up. And on the eve of having to go and pick them up from my dad's house, dad actually called me up and said, what's your game? What are you up to with your sisters? What are you trying to achieve? Oh, my God. It was pretty disappointing where throughout my whole entire life, dad never tried to contact me or be a part or or be in my life at all. Mm. And all of a sudden, he wanted to dictate terms on what I can and can't do with my sisters, Mm. even suggesting that if I wanted to have dinner with them, I can have dinner with my sisters supervised in his house. It's like trying to control the entire world around him of his making. It's so, so Why do you think he had that reaction? Do you think he genuinely thought you had an ulterior motive or do you feel like he suddenly realised it was all out of his control? I think he had a a plan for his life. Mm. Obviously, he planned something out in his early years when I was born and wanted something better. And all of a sudden, he never foresaw his eldest son coming back into his world and it being out of his control. Mm. That's what I think it was. Can you tell us about that first meeting with your siblings? So they were a lot younger than me. So I felt like the big overprotective brother. (laughs) Did you just fall into that instantly? You were like... Straight away. I love that. I love that. Straight away. (laughs) Straight away. And we ended up having dinner, spent the whole evening talking, and then I had to drop them off. And then there was that reality from when I dropped them off that I've actually got no connection with my sisters. I don't know who they are. Mm. And initially, from that moment on, my independence came out where I don't want to rely on anybody else. And I Mm. never caught up with them again. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. 
having dad's disapproval made things harder. Dad made it known. Yeah. Not only with me, but with my sisters as well. Because we did have a couple of phone conversations a couple months later and both my sisters said, look, dad doesn't approve of us hanging out. Mm. So life goes on. I kept on doing my own Zach little world of exploring and having experiences. And I made new friends. And in the circle of friends that I made, I was introduced to a, a guy called John. And in our 20s, we were a really close-knit group of guys. And every weekend, we'd go out to parties, festivals, catch up, help one another out, and simply just being blokes. That group of friends that I had, we sort of hung out together for about three years. And then we all sort of grew up, had families, moved on, chose careers, and we sort of lost contact. Mm. In 2010, I got a phone call at work and it was a sweet little old lady's voice. And she says, hello, you don't know me, but I'm calling up to tell you that you've got a brother. Oh my God. God. Your half brother is my son. And I said, is this a joke? What's the story? She goes, no, you've got a brother. He's a sweet, young man and he's a good boy and I said listen lady am I meant to meet this guy this is a little bit of an awkward phone conversation you've called me out of the blue at work are you calling me because you want us to get together or am I going to a funeral what's the purpose of the phone call she goes no he's very much alive I want you to meet him I asked a few questions One in particular was, how old is my brother? He was three years younger than me. He's a good boy. I'll send you a photo. I said, yes, perfect. Send me a photo to my phone. I receive a photo and it's John that I hung out with in my 20s. Oh, my God. No way. No way. I fell off my chair at work. Wow. What are the chances? And I called one of our mutual friends that I knew is still in contact with John. Yeah. And I just said to him, help me out. I've got a crazy lady sending me a picture of John saying that he's my half brother. Wow. Oh my God. Can you find out if there's any truth in this? And I received a phone call back and it was our mutual friend saying, this is the absolute best news ever. You guys are related. Oh my God. Lord. I'm like, this is not good news for me. I like my simplified world. I don't need my world turned upside down. And why does it have to be that John? Why is that John my brother? (laughs) And straight away, all I thought about was, wow, we've been chasing women together. We've been drinking together. We've been hanging out. Like, this is really awkward. We know each other's little intimate secrets. It was completely different from when I met my sisters. Yeah. So my next step is to call dad. I've called dad. It's been 10 years since I've spoken to him. Since that time, he wanted to dictate terms with catching up with my sisters. And I said, dad, is there any truth in this? Do I have a half brother that's three years younger than me? 
And dad's response was, no, you don't. Keep away from that family, this family that you're talking about and this lady that has called you are trying to extort me, blackmail me. There's no truth in this. Wow. Anyway, he couldn't give me a straight answer. And I said, just to let you know, they're paying for a DNA test and we're doing it next week. Do you want the results? And dad's reply was, yes, I do. And my response to dad was, you should be stepping up. This is your role to do the DNA test. And I'm here doing your dirty work for you. Yeah. And I haven't spoken to him since. That's the last phone call I had. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, did you feel powerful in that moment? Was it hard? It it was hard, but I did feel proud. Yeah. I finally had the purpose to confront him and for him to listen to me. Mm. And what I wanted to tell him was that he's not a man. Yeah. So I did the DNA test with John and it came back 99.999% wow. match that we're related. I did ring dad's wife up and I said, I can't speak to my dad. It's just the courtesy call to let you guys know that there's another one of us out there. I'd never want to speak to him again. Wow. I caught up with John a couple of times. John had a bit more of a larger extended family. And when I got invited over to meet him and his family, I was blown away that I was the focal point of the gatherings and I just couldn't handle it. And the same thing happened there. I caught up with John twice and I haven't seen him since. And that was in 2010 is the last time I've caught up with him. In the moments when you met your siblings for the first time, all three of them, did you notice similarities? Like, did you see like, oh, that's a gesture that I do. That's a way that I construct a sentence. Did you see yourself in them? In John's facial expressions, I did. We have the same eyes, but I'm six foot three tall and John's five foot five. So there was a huge height difference. It felt like the scene out of that movie, Twins, (laughs) where Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) sees little Danny DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one thing where we were different, but we had the same eyes and the same crooked grin when we smile. And you were saying before, you know, you and John had been great mates during your 20s before you found out that you were related. Do you now look back at that time knowing what you know differently or or seeing things there that you didn't see at the time? No, I just kept on questioning what if John was a woman and we hooked up, for example? Yeah. Or if one of those nights things turned ugly and we ended up getting into a bit of strife or trouble out on the town. Yeah. Zach, it really feels like these people find their way into your life. Like, you know, I guess like there's a a connection somehow. Mm. It's funny how family draws people together. Yeah. Mm. This story, Zach, is so, I mean, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing with us on the show. 
Thank you for listening. See you guys. I think the thing that makes Zach's story so compelling and like one of the reasons that makes this movie, Our Father, this documentary so compelling is that idea of having this perception of your reality, like what your world is. I'm this person. I'm that person. I belong to these two people. They're my parents. And then that shifting completely and going, well, I guess I'm not alone in this world anymore. There's people that share my traits. There's people that share my DNA. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something really, really compelling about that shift in one's own existence like that. And hearing Zach's story, like it really does remind me of our father because it's all about the decisions of one man having an impact on all of these like innocent kids. Mm. It's no one's fault except this person has made this one decision that has like irrevocable consequences. And until they were backed into a corner, just denied it completely. Mm, Complete denial. They wanted control over the situation. It's heartbreaking. I was deeply disturbed watching this movie. I found it completely thrilling. Mm. One thing that you said to me that kind of set me up to watching it was that it was a Blumhouse production. Yeah, if you don't know, Blumhouse make a lot of horror films. Mm. And it's interesting to see horror techniques applied to documentary. And so there's this kind of feeling of dread throughout the entire film that kind of results in some really cathartic moments, I think, for some of the people who this is their real life. Mm. It doesn't feel dehumanising. It feels like... They're in control, they're telling their own story and they're having their experience validated and seen. And I think that's what like the best of a documentary is always about. Absolutely. This is a debut directorial documentary feature from Lucy Jordan and people use these genre techniques and genre storytelling formats and codes as a way to communicate to an audience because of how we understand, you know, storytelling. We understand through the prism of genre. Mm. And to tell, like, stories from reality through those genre lens is something I'm always so fascinated by. And this one uses it so effectively to create those tensions, to create those sense of fears and those really powerful senses of dread through suspense and stuff. Mm. That's how we kind of understand these stories. I think this movie does it so effectively to create this feeling of a story that's so in the sense there's some evil on display here, some real world evil. Mm. That's so hard to believe, but it's all true. And what it does really well is it unifies recreations with actual recordings that have been kept of the real people in these situations, like audio recordings and melding them together to create like this really powerful sense of truth that Mm. we're discovering here. I would recommend if you haven't watched it, do not read anything about it. Don't Google it. Just Mm. go in cold because I think you're going to get the most out of it that way. And that's how I went into it. And I think it's just got the biggest emotional wallop that Mm. way. It's a powerful watch. I think the other reason this documentary hits so hard Mm. is because you see it's said by the people inside the documentary, no one could have ever expected anything like this to happen. Uh, That's right. It's just so unbelievable, right? Yeah. So the fact that it has happened, that that no one could really prepare for what Mm. that would actually be like, I think is just part of the reason it's such a compelling watch. Yeah, and especially kind of finding through this story the ins and outs of a legal and justice system that is completely incapable of dealing with a situation like this because it's so invented to not understand 
like something like this can freaking possibly happen. It seems like the most far-fetched thing, mm-hmm. but I, that's that's what good documentary is about is about taking these stories that couldn't be written. Yeah. Would be too unbelievable to be written and bringing them into like the light. I think that's like one of the great strengths of this film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like god complex stuff, dude. That yeah. comes up in this documentary a lot. And that's all we have on the table for today's episode. Our Father is available now on Netflix. And a huge thank you to Zach for coming onto our show and sharing his story with us. And look, maybe you've got a crazy family secret you want to share. Send us a DM on Instagram at NetflixANZ. And please do leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. And also thank you to our executive producer, Priya Tazada and our producer, Abby Lenton. And thank you for listening. Bye. See you next time.